And when I start getting too wrapped up in these other things and don't stay consistent with my creative stuff, then yeah, I start to get blocked. I feel like I'm blocked down. Even with my meditation, it kind of helps keep me grounded. But then I still, you know, nothing substitutes for sitting down and doing the work. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, you might be fist pumping, you might be smiling, and if you're not, you absolutely should be. I'm so, so, so pumped that you are here today for another episode of the Archipreneur Now podcast, and it is getting crazy. This is episode number 89, so all the show notes for this will be artsynow.com forward slash 89, and for all you visual artists out there, I got an incredible guest on today, Damon Powell. Who, who really is a super, super interesting guy. And we get to talk about all of these different specializations throughout visual art. He's, he's really, really involved. Uh, and his paintings are just deep. Like, you got to get on his website, DamonPowell.com, and check it out. Those will be in the show notes as well. But he's really into the theological stuff. And he actually was connected to my girlfriend, Lindsay, right after this because he's going to start doing a series of paintings based around yoga. So I sent him an intro to her and Kim Nichols. So I'm, I'm curious how that comes out. But get online and check out his work. It's incredible. There, there, There's just so much, I guess, emotion and just deepness behind it that it, it really gets me pumped up. I've actually had one of his paintings set as my desktop for the past two months, probably, since, since I've talked to him. So I'm really, really happy I get to get him out here. Uh, everybody enjoy it. It's awesome. I hope you learn a little bit. A little quick announcement. I have found a co-founder for my new business that I'm starting in, venturing in, called Podcast Pal. So you can find a little bit more information about that at podcastpal.com. If there's anybody out there looking to start their own podcast, this this service is kind of doing everything that I need it to do for myself, right? It's something that I always wanted because... For most people, when they start podcasting, they don't know what they're doing, first of all. You have to figure it out. For me, I didn't, I didn't want to pay you know, $1,200 to join Podcasters Paradise or anything like that. So I figured things out on my own. And I think it's such an amazing tool to be able to get out there and podcast. And I think that it's going to change your life so easily that it shouldn't cost you $1,200 to start. Or it shouldn't cost you four or $500 a month to hire a consultant to help you. So I wanted to put together a service for people that that have just one or two episodes a month or maybe 10 episodes a month, whatever it may be, but it scales according to how much they need done, right? And you can literally just drop your file into this website and I have a team of VAs there ready to do everything for you and then turn it back to you within 24 hours. And my monthly plans start from $79 and on. So that's exciting for me. That's a step in the right direction. If you want more information, like I said, podcastpal.com. If you have any questions about podcasting, I'm going to be posting oodles and oodles and oodles of tutorials on everything that I do with my methods. So again, check that out. I'm not going to keep you on here any longer. I want to get right into this interview with Damon. He is awesome. But anything and everything that you have ever desired is sleeping right there on the other side of your comfort zone. Get out there. Do a little boogie-woogie. Get pumped up. I want to hear it. I want to hear the energy. I want to feel the energy. Email me at create at artsynow.com. If you want to get in touch, if you want to be a guest in the show, all of the creatives that I connect with are incredible. 
and every single one of you has a message that is valuable to somebody else. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out. It doesn't matter if you're struggling. It doesn't matter if you have a day job like me. I love connecting, so don't be shy. With that being said, all the show notes again, artsynow.com forward slash Damon Pal or forward slash 89. And here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stickity riggity diggity beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, get on with your bad selves. Yeah. Boys and girls, if your ears hang low, you better wiggity, 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 wobble them straight to the front and center. For my guest today, his creations are the result from in-depth research and visualization coming to life through the use of color, line, and symbol. He's a visual artist. He's a constructive theologian. And he's binding the intersection of art and spirituality. A skidam a rinkity dinkity dink, a skidam a rinkity doo. Dr. Damon Powell, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the first person to ever give me a what's up. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for it for like 80 something episodes now, and that was the first time. <laughs> For some reason, people think they have to be so formal or something. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm, I'm so pumped to have you on. For real, I've, I've been admiring your artwork for a while. I found it probably, what, four months ago or something and first reached out to you. And I'm, I'm definitely interested to get to know you a little bit better. You're out there in Oakland, California, and you're into visual arts, obviously, the the th- whole theology thing. And, and I, I want to really dive into the whole art and spirituality thing together. Cause I haven't had too many people on here that, that go into a combination of that. But first, if you want to start off can you give me a rundown of sort of what it was like being a child and in, 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 somewhere along that stage where you developed the, the knack for creativity, like when it first hits you and kind of how that steam rolled into what it is today. Uh, do you, I, I know a lot of people have ups and downs and, you know, all arounds, but do you have anything in particular that strikes you about when you were a child and sort of your first creative experiences? Um, absolutely. Um, really, things really got started when I was very young. I used to love to color, and uh, my aunt would babysit my cousin and I, and she would always have all these coloring books and all these crayons. So I was always <laughs> coloring. And then my father used to be an avid comic book collector, so he would always bring home all these comics, and I would just get fascinated by these images. Um, so a lot of the things I started doing were trying to trace some of the comic book characters. And then my mother started getting me books on people like Derere and Da Vinci. And I was just fascinated, mesmerized by these images. Um, and so I always wanted to really just see if I could, you know, draw and produce those. 
And uh, that's one of the main things I've always wanted to do. Most of the time in school, particularly in high school and uh, middle school, I spent most of my time in the band room or the art room um, and had a lot of trouble making a decision about what I wanted. I knew that I was a creative person. I had to create, um, but I wasn't sure what the proper venue was. But the truth was, I was never really that great a musician. I was good, but I couldn't improvise or anything. I could practice and get, get it down, but the art was really where I could flow in terms of drawing and painting. So that's what I decided to do. Yeah, I was a huge fan of comic books myself as a child, mesmerized by them. (laughs) And you're right, like the colors and the pictures are the things that stood out to me as well. But in the same thing with being a musician, you know, I try to play the guitar and I I just, I can't, I can't tune by ear, although I can pick up and play songs. It's just, it's one of those things (laughs) I struggle with as well. But yeah, you've obviously found a a niche in in, in your art because you're, Unbelievable. And I highly suggest everybody, I mean, not if you're driving down the road or anything, but get online and check out DamonPowell.com and look at his work. I mean, it's so, 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 so deep. Like you've got the fire and the ice. You can see the heaven and the hell and the meditation and the mindfulness and just kind of real life all just bundled up in these in these paintings, which is amazing. Uh, do you, what do you think like the primary forces behind when you're creating like where is all this coming from well i have a phd in theology and a master's in divinity um i got my um, art training at the kansas city art institute where i got my bachelor of fine arts and i worked as an illustrator for a little while so i kind of feel like my work has kind of an illustrative flair because that's my background my training Mm -hmm. um and so i've done a lot of time uh researching you know theological texts theological treaties looking at doctrine primarily through the Christian lens context, but not exclusively. I'm primarily Christian, but not exclusively Christian. And uh, really just all these things bubbling up from my dissertation was on uh, African-American art and religion and talking about uh, the African-American aesthetic and the visual arts and how that can be developed. And so all these things I want to say and um, just trying to get that out. I'm very much into meditation. I meditate almost every day. Um, definitely at least 10 minutes before I start painting or drawing or sketching in my studio and really just trying to let these things come forth because I have these experiences and I want to share them. A lot of times language just isn't really adequate. Um, So that's why I use a lot of symbols in my work because symbols can communicate in a lot of ways what you can't say even with a word using a metaphor, in my opinion. And when you have the words and the pictures, that doesn't leave a lot of room, in my opinion, for uh, misinterpretation. Because if you say something, I may not understand all the words. I may interpret the words differently. And if I see a picture, you know, you can see a picture and one person thinks it means this, another person means that. But if you have the words right there to go with it, uh, it doesn't leave a lot of ambiguity. Um, So I think that's part of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you're meditating, you say you do do it about 10 minutes before you go into painting. And I'm a huge fan, obviously. I, I try to do it at least once a day, if not twice. And especially when I'm feeling rattled or my head just feels like it's about to pop off you can literally Mm -hmm. sit down and and do this how do you think it directly contributes to to your art and your creativity i mean what why is it so necessary before you start painting well um i wouldn't go so far to consider myself uh, um, an icon painter but i have done some studying on the uh, development of uh, ancient icons particularly in the uh, eastern orthodox tradition and how they did 
uh, their work and the, the preparation, meditation and prayer and fasting things that went into that. And then also just I really want to be a vehicle to communicate. And I'm hoping that um, some of that same spiritual energy is coming through as I'm developing the peace. So that same kind of principle of imparting that and letting that energy, uh, I guess, for lack of term, be uh, embedded within the work and hopefully come forth and, and speak to someone. So that's yeah. really what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I think artists, some of them have this just amazing underlying talent to really gauge a story or an emotion or, or that energy that you're talking about into their artwork. Do you think that every single one of your paintings or any pieces of artwork that you're on all have their own just kind of story behind them? And do you remember those or is it just like a on the moment passion that you put into it and, and um, it just kind of floats? <laughs> Um, no, most of my stuff is uh, pretty tightly researched. Uh, like I said, I've got the background in theology, so a lot of the symbols, I don't put anything in it that I don't know what it means, I don't know what yeah. it is. Um, and really going in and doing research, going back and doing writing, sometimes they're just concepts that I'm trying to give some type of visual language um, and using sometimes symbols to do that. I really like the human figure. I think it's very expressive. So most of my images uh, incorporate some type of human figure. Um, and so that's really, you know, what the gist of that is. Yeah. Do you, do you leave it up to the viewer to try to make that out? Like when you do, have you ever done art shows? I'm guessing you probably have. Yes, I've just do finished you put two this month. Any descriptions month. underneath your paintings that kind of describe it, or do you just leave it all up to the imagination of whoever's looking at it? Um, in that particular venue, if it's up in a gallery, I, most of the stuff in the gallery I don't. I just kind of put the title and kind of leave it to the viewer. On my website, beneath most pieces, I don't know if you, you see the small images, you click on them, then you'll see a large image, and underneath the large one, there's a brief explanation. Yeah, I've been reading some of those, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so I try to keep it really brief, but you know, there's always that window that people see something that you never see, and that's what really is amazing to me. Sometimes somebody say, come and say, you know, I see X, Y, Z, and I'm like, wow. And then when they say it, I can see it. Um, and so that's one thing about uh, one of my instructors used to always say, you do more than you can say. <laughs> and so how do we do it? And we wasn't saying it specifically to me, but just, you know, in terms of when we're, when we're sharing. So um, I, that motivates me when people do that. Yeah. Well, going through school and meeting all of these instructors or mentors that were ahead of you, what do you think some of the most important things that you learned were coming up? through those programs is in relation to creativity? Um, some of the most important things is that uh, one of the things that I've discovered um, that I argue is that everything is aesthetic because aesthetics is not just about beauty. It's about relationships and harmony and interaction between those relationships. So beauty is just one aspect of that. And if you talk about the transcendentals, the three transcendentals would be truth, goodness, and beauty and how they always uh, are thought to uh, complement one another. And so really that everything is aesthetic because it's all about relationships. Even when you're looking at the work of art, there's that tripartite relationship between the viewer, the work of art, and the artist and what the artist intended. And so there, a dialogue is created in that process. Um, and what comes out of that can be something new or it can just be a clearing of what the artist intended. So, and sometimes it's usually a little bit of both. In my experience. Yeah. And you mentioned in our, I think it was in our pre-chat, I don't think it was on this live part, that you were doing a radio show, right? Yes. Yes. So I, you, you teach, 
I think you had mentioned you, you were teaching children. Uh, no, it's whoever is listening. It's an online, actually, it's an online gospel radio station. And so I have an hour show on Saturday evenings from 7 to 8. And um, basically more, more geared toward uh, biblical text, but not exclusively. I kind of bring a lot of other stuff in and uh, do that once a week. And that kind of keeps me grounded in my tradition because a lot of my work doesn't always necessarily incorporate um, Christian themes. If you yeah. look at it, I'm using a lot of symbols and drawing from a lot of things and trying to show the connections because there really are more connections than there are differences. Uh, yeah, you do use a lot of symbols, which are which are very interesting. I mean, I love it, man. You're I, I, Again, everybody get online and check out his work. Cause, and I'll post these all in the show notes as well at artsynow.com forward slash Damon Powell. But man mesmerizing definitely <laughs> so moving forward do you do you ever think that like you come across these periods of time where you you lose your creativity at all because i i do talk to a lot of people through the audience and most of the artists that i've had on the show say no not really i'm a creative at heart like i burn it through but for me like for instance i and I hit blocks, like hardcore blocks. And there's all these things that I have to do, which meditation is one of them, to get me back on track or exercise or something like that. Do you ever find yourself in, a, in those tough situations? Yes, I do. Um, more for me when I'm not remaining consistent because there's so much going on as an independent artist. You have to do your own advertising. You know, I do a monthly blog to kind of update my viewers on what's going on. So my blog, I have to do it. I haven't done it for last month, so I have to do something. Uh, it's the end of the start of the new month <laughs> now. And when I start getting too wrapped up in these other things and don't stay consistent with my creative stuff, then, yeah, I start to get blocked. I feel like I'm blocked down. Even with my meditation, it kind of helps keep me grounded. But then I still, you know, nothing substitutes for sitting down and doing the work. Sometimes you just have to sit down and... And so what has helped me with that, I found in the last like six months or so, is that I try to do one completely abstract piece. I just sit and meditate for a few minutes and then I just let the brush or the pencil flow and whatever comes out is what comes out. And I've been actually getting those framed and putting them up. And so I'm beginning to build a little abstract body of work, but that really helps to loosen me up and kind of get me back in the flow. Um, and back to fist pumping, right? <laughs> well, that too, absolutely. <laughs> Well, okay. Being being a an artist, being a creative, and living through creativity, how how tough is that? And what are some ways that you or procedures or anything that you put into place to be able to support yourself through doing this? Whether it be selling, I mean, do you sell anything online? I, I think the biggest pain point for artists out there is how are they going to be able to make it if if they're an artist and most people have something else that they do on the side as well to bring in extra money. But for you in particular, you know, how, how hard is it? And are there any things that you can suggest to other people that have, have ended up helping you in the past? Well, I'm still working on that. I do keep a day job myself, but I'm hoping to leave in another two years. That is my goal, right? <laughs> which I have written down and, you know, visualize and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really I'm right there to with make you, that man. materialize. And so really, um, like I said, making sure that I'm disciplined and produced. I'm in the studio four nights a week, almost no matter what, unless I've got a show coming and I've been prepping for that. So I've had two shows, well, four shows in the last two months, two in January, two in February that I'm just coming off of. So I haven't been able to do as much. Um, but making sure that you produce, you can't sell the product if you don't have the product. 
and um, I hate to look at my audience in those terms, but there is both and. And so you have to be able to do that. You've got to spend some time with the advertising until you can fire, hire somebody to do it for you um, and really just, you know, stick into your guns and, you know, putting it out there. You never know what somebody's going to like. You never know. And I'm not saying show work that you absolutely think is crap. Absolutely not. But you got to not be so hard on yourself sometimes. And everything's not for everybody. I still haven't completely found my market yet for my work because that, you know, my themes don't always appeal to everybody. That's not, you know, some, something that some people are interested in. Um, and so just keep putting it out there. You know, I'm not saying it's a numbers game, but with authenticity and intention, I think that this is going to happen. And I already see small steps. You know, just the fact that I start off the year with four shows already um, mm-hmm. says something, I think. And so, you know, you, you kind of keep building it and, you know, I believe they'll come. And I do sell prints off my website. I have a Shopify uh, shopping page connected to my uh, Facebook business page. And then, um, you know, I get a few sales off of there. And just really, you know, continue to work, work at it. Yeah, how awesome. I think the business side is completely overlooked a lot of times. Artists spend all the time that they can on the creation, which is what they're passionate about, obviously. But it's really hard to do anything in this world without learning the business side as well. And everybody has to go down that path at some point unless you just already have a bunch of money on the side to hire someone else to do it for you, like you had mentioned before. And I'm really going to start diving into that subject a lot more on this show. And I'm actually compiling a huge blog post right now where I've been polling lots of audience and other artists on how how they are making it through and and being able to support themselves either on the side or completely standalone. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty interesting to look through all the different methods that people come up with. But as creatives, man, they're, they're pretty interesting. Yeah, they are. You have to definitely have to be creative in that area as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other animal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I used to think when I was really working on my dissertation, doing some of that stuff, I wasn't painting as much, and I really came to the conclusion it just kind of hit me one day. It's all the same source because I would feel like, oh, I've been researching all day in all these texts. I don't think I have anything left to go paint something. But you know, I, when I changed my paradigm and said it's all the same source. You're just using a different avenue, but the source is still the same. The creativity is still there. Um, It really opened up some doors for me uh, on how I could get more done and stay consistent with my creative life. So that was an important shift. Yeah. Do do you have any tools that you use in a different manner than like a normal person would use it for, even if it's just in creating? I mean, I've had, you know, Dr. Seike I had on, he, he basically said he would go outside and like literally pick up anything around nature and use it to paint. Um, and he got rid of all his brushes and stuff, but it's always interesting to ask, like if there's anything that you use in a weird way that, that probably most other people wouldn't be using it in. Um, no, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I'm pretty standard, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, I use my primary medium is scratchboard. Uh, and so most people don't use scratchboard anymore. Um, yeah. but other than that, you know, I use a lot of different exactos and I want to get some, uh, surgical steel blades when I get some money up to get some surgical steel, oh, um, scalpels cool. to really scratch with. It'll be wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, so do you want to get into your, your process a little bit? Uh, so when Damon goes to, to create something, whether it be in an illustration or, or media or watercolor or acrylics or whatever you're using, can you walk us through? how that goes down in the time frame? 
Yeah, usually it starts actually with a concept, with an idea for me. A lot of times things will come to me during my meditation or I'll be reading some kind of text or something and something will strike me that I'm reading saying, you know what? You know, this is really striking. I need to communicate this, the, the feeling that it's giving me, if I can figure out some way to communicate. So then I start sketching and I may go do some more reading on that particular topic. Um, the series that I have, I just completed on prayer um, was based in a lot of research for every image. I was researching symbols and what they meant and how they could be combined and make sure that I didn't put two different things that meant opposite things together. And so really doing the research and then sketching, I do a lot of thumbnail sketches for composition, um, a lot of thumbnails. And so that usually takes anywhere from about a week and a half to two weeks between gathering the research and reading and then doing thumbnails. And then when I've got a composition that I think works, I'll do a larger version, maybe about four by six, and I'll try to do some rendering on that, make any compositional adjustments, and then I'll do a uh, use color pencil to kind of get a layout for where the color should be and how I want it to be, make sure the light is correct. Um, and then I will decide what's the best medium for what I'm trying to do. I'm pretty much narrowed down now to uh, watercolor and scratch board for the most part now. So which one of those is really I feel is going to be able to communicate you know, give the best uh, feeling for what I'm trying to do. And then once I make that decision, uh, I sit down and begin to do it. And depending on what medium is, the watercolor is a lot quicker than scratchboard. Scratchboard takes a lot of time. I can spend 15 to 18 hours on a scratchboard piece easy. Um, that's one reason why I don't work very large in that. I think the largest I've worked is maybe like 22 by, I don't know, 17, something like that, which still took a long time. Um, the watercolor, not nearly as long, um, and really just begin to work the piece. I sit down and I come into my studio. I, I have an altar in my studio that I don't let anybody touch because we have a big first Fridays here. So people come into my studio every first Friday, I may get 350 people cycling through my studio. And so I try not to let them, you know, touch the altar. I don't mean to be mean, but this is kind of my sacred space. Yeah. And so I'll spend about 10 minutes meditating. And then I'll go and sit down and put on some music and begin to work. And, you know, I do that, like I said, you know, try to do about four nights a week to about nine o'clock. And, uh, you know, that's really the process. <laughs> yeah, persistence. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. I appreciate you going into that much detail because we could definitely get an image of you. And I was thinking it in my head, like just walking through while I was looking at your scratch boards on the site. some I feel a little bit more emotionally attached to. Um, if you look at that uh, addiction series, I am a recovering person. And so that first image was really uh, difficult for me to let go. I had somebody wanted to buy it and I wouldn't sell it. I sold them a print instead. 
And now I've completed all three of them. Uh, and I, didn't, I wasn't planning to do a second or third one, but then I felt like that's, I figured out eventually during my meditation that this is why you can't let it go. It's not complete. There's more for you to say. That's not the whole story. So then I did the other two, withdrawal and hope. So that, that's not where you are now. So you got to tell the whole story. And then once that energy was let go, now I'm okay with it. <laughs> but, uh, I was going to ask you that too. How hard is it to let the pieces of artwork go when someone wants to buy them? Because obviously it's it's a huge, probably the biggest compliment to artists when somebody buys their work. But then at the same time, if you have pieces that you're so emotionally attached to, how do you deal with that? Um, I don't have those issues too often. I think it's my background as an illustrator. I did work as a professional illustrator for a yeah. while doing some freelance stuff first out of school. And so, I mean, you're doing those for somebody else and they have all the rights. They take the image and no matter how great you may think it is, you got to let it go. So I don't really suffer from that too often, <laughs> but that particular instance was one time that I did really suffer for a minute. You want to talk about some of these symbols for a minute? Uh, sure. You have so many of them, which I don't mean that you have to go through all of them, but what, I don't know if you have favorite ones or not. I, I see third eyes. I don't understand all of them. I've seen the Islam and the crescent moon and all sorts of, I mean, there's just like, there's so much here and I know it's hard for people listening to understand, which is why you got to check this site out. Um, but, but why does it mean so much to you to use these symbols basically is what I want to know. Um, I think that symbols communicate a lot more than we can say. There's a, a couple of terms that uh, I learned um, let's say the, the $50 word, since I'm still paying for my education, uh, symbols are often polysemous and polyvalent. I mean, they have many combinations and many meanings. And so you can get a lot of bang for your buck out of the use of symbols if you know what they mean. And that gives me opportunity also to talk to people in my studio because a lot of times they don't know what it means. They may like the image and may have a, you know, some idea what some of the symbols mean. So then I can engage them and kind of do uh, a little talk about my work and what that particular symbol meant in the work. Um, and that's important. And then people may see other things because they may be familiar with the symbol in a certain way. And then we enlist a conversation. Sometimes I learn some things and they learn some things. So that's really how that kind of works. And I'm constantly researching symbols and colors too. Um, Cause a lot of colors are similar, you know, different colors for representing chakras and other things I often use in my work too. So most of the colors also has some kind of symbolic meaning. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of history behind the symbols too, and there's so much something so much bigger than than us. You know what I mean? So much bigger than humanity in itself. Yeah, yeah. Which is extremely uh, important, obviously. Yeah, I think so, and uh, I think that's part of just the vocabulary of what I'm trying to do. Um, everybody kind of finds a niche, I think, as an artist that, that that's really kind of your groove, at least for a while. It may change, but right now that's really uh, where I am. And I think if I, as I'm growing as an artist and I want to begin to be known for something, this is the route that I'm taking right now. And, you know, it may change, but right now this seems to be working for me. I, I seem to feel good about it, so I'm just going to keep doing yeah. it. Well, it's awesome what you're doing, man. And do you, do you mind if we talk a little bit about your struggle with the with recovering at all? And how you came out of that? Um, yeah, I don't want to get too specific, but yeah, <laughs> well, I was just—I was just wondering if it was. I don't—I don't mean to get into like pure detail, but 
what it felt like to get over that burden and, and to where you are now and, and how it is possible to do it for people out there that might be in a similar situation. Yes, it is possible, but it's not easy. Um, but if you want it bad enough and you get the right support, you can do it. Um, I still occasionally go to meetings, um, not probably as often as I should, but I think me staying more disciplined in my art and my meditation practice really helps me to kind of shore up some of the gaps. Um, but really making sure that I, I stay connected and grounded is really important to me maintaining my sobriety. Um, my partner also, you know, kind of checking on me a little bit and, uh, you know, just being in community, not being too isolated. And that's the thing as an artist, you know, you're in your studio sometimes alone a lot. And so that isolation can really be devastating to someone in recovery. So really make sure that you're checking in, you're staying grounded and, you know, kind of staying accountable um, and make sure you get some time to get out with folks. You know, there was a time I was really holed up in the studio a lot. I was like, I got to start getting more balance in my life. So I just said, you know what, the weekends, that's why I said four nights a week, unless something's really going on pressing, the weekends I try not to deal with any of that type of stuff. I can run errands, I can do things, get out and socialize a little bit. And that really helps me stay sober. Yeah, and I think a huge part with surrounding yourself with the right people as well. And it can be travesty to, to be around the wrong people, and not just with addictions, but well, in the whole process of getting to where you want to be in life in general. And I think there's too many people out there that, that continue to hang out around the people that they really are handicapping them in some way, whether it be just going out to the bar every night and spending all your money or, you know, wasting time or just really knocking each other down within confidence. So I, I, I am honored and humbled to be able to connect with people like you online and reach that broader audience. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, some of these people, you know, you've known for years. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, there's always going to be that, you know. It's really hard. Yeah. What do we want to say? That connection with them, you know, and being able to really say, hey, this is not good for me. It, it's it's hard, you know. Yeah. But it's worth it. It really is worth it. I, I firmly believe that, you know, when one door uh, closes, another one opens. But sometimes you're not looking. You're still looking back at the other door. You got to turn around. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you, man. Can you you think of any any of your favorite creative influences maybe that you looked up to from a creative sense growing up? Uh, Were there any artists or musicians that you really, really loved what they were doing and learned from and kind of adapted some things from them? Yes, absolutely. Um, Like I said, when I was a little boy, I was fascinated with some of the the classic stuff, Albert Durer. Um, was one of my favorites, uh, Da Vinci, Michelangelo. Um, then as I got older and started getting other things, I really started, particularly when I started trying to connect this whole thing, the spiritual and uh, the artistic, um, I began to see that, you know, you can have, you can have, you can divorce art from religion, but you can't re- divorce religion from art. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> um, because... Well, maybe I said it wrong, actually, but what I'm saying is basically you, can, you can't have religious experience really without aesthetic experience or artistic experience, whether it's poetry, writing, some type of visual, singing. Religious experience really is dependent upon aesthetic and artistic uh, expression, whereas art, you know, we've been through the whole thing with art for art's sake and kind of divorcing art from the spiritual, but I don't know if we actually really succeeded, um, but that's what we say we did. 
um, in terms of the modern, uh, postmodern uh, art world. But um, then I've really gotten to the work of Aaron Douglas. He's probably my favorite artist. He's an African-American uh, Harlem Renaissance artist. He's actually the father of the uh, African-American art in the Harlem Renaissance and really got into his work. Some of my work in my dissertation and some other articles I've written that have been published have been uh, around him and some of his ideas about his art. Um, definitely, of course, you can't really talk about art and spirituality without talking about Coltrane, Love Supreme. Uh, it's definitely something I put on <laughs> from time to time when I'm working, just to kind of, you know. Um, and I'm a big, I'm a big house music fan, so any type of house, gospel house, uh, that's just my thing. So, <laughs> man, I was down at I was down at Jazz Fest last year, and I tell you what, some of the best music in that entire festival in New Orleans was stumbling into that gospel tent, man. Like they they put up these huge tents. You've got jazz, you got blues, you got funk, and then you have that gospel tent. And man, it was getting crazy in there. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, seriously, there's some straight. Just, I mean, these guys obviously live and breathe music down there. But when they start getting on stage with each other and compiling, it doesn't matter what tent they're in. They're bringing the heat for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't been to New Orleans in a while. So oh, I need, need to, to get go back. back. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to be able to make it down there this year, but I did just have a friend move down, so that'll be good. Good place. Ah, play, yes, place to stay. Free lodging. Because uh, I'm a little bit closer than you are, all the way out there in California. <laughs> yes, it's only it's a quick like one and a half hour flight from Louisville to get down there. So wow, okay. Just got to hope that you don't wake up face down, pants down in the bushes the next day. <laughs> that would not be good. No. <laughs> well, hey, Why not have your wallet either? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if you if you could pick any of those favorite creative influencers, who do you think that you would choose to sit down with and, and create something with? Oh, wow. Um, who would I sit down and create something with? And if you could create something, what would you create? Um... That's a very good question. Uh, you know, I think actually I really like to do editorial illustration. I miss doing that. I think I would really like to get with somebody like Nikki Giovanni or something and really like work with her on a project to illustrate some of her poems. That would really be like wonderful. That would be cool. <laughs> Definitely you know? unique. Because like I said, the words and the images right there together, I think that could be so powerful if you really could get with somebody. And that'd be something I'd be interested in doing, a good writer or poet and really just, you know, developing some kind of synergy and doing a project would be wonderful. Um, definitely something on my list. I think I'm going to be starting a series on yoga. I'm really getting a big idea oh, about yeah. doing a series on yoga. Um, probably some larger watercolor images and uh, really getting into So I'm thinking about interviewing some some uh, yogis and uh, uh, yoga instructors and really saying, okay, what's your favorite pose? Where do you feel the energy? What chakras is this, you know, invoking that type of thing and really trying to illustrate that whole thing in some kind of way, maybe about a 10 to 15 piece series on that. So I think that's my next big project. Yeah. How awesome that would be. Now I know yoga is so much bigger out in California than it is here in Kentucky, but my, my girlfriend's actually a yoga instructor. I've got quite a few, friends and people that have been on this show, uh, like the mindfulness people seem to always be in, intertwined with yoga as well. 
And so, yeah, we did a little bit earlier today and I'm, I'm learning a little bit, trying, but it is, it is one of those things that's, that's just, I don't know, man, I love it. And I would, I'd love to see you do some work about it too, because you've kind of got a theme close to it already in some of these paintings. So. Yeah, I've done some stuff with the with the chakras and illustrating some of the stuff around chakras. So yeah, that would be a that seems like a logical next step. I may have to uh see if you can get me to connect with some folks so I can email them with some questions and maybe Oh absolutely. I can get and she she's she knows a lot more people than I do and, and I could ask her and get you some people or introduce you or whatever. And you might want to okay. get a hold of Kim Nickel, who is episode four on my show. She was, she's a meditation and mindfulness teacher, ex-lawyer actually. And I know she's real big into all that stuff. And then I just don't know how deep into yoga they actually get, but usually it's hand in hand. So you never know. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little rusty myself. It's been a few months, but yeah. Okay. That works. Yeah. I was just, I was just doing a handstand this entire interview. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sure. I'm buying that. You're selling it. I'm buying it. Uh, I wish maybe maybe I'll have you on again in the future and I will be the whole time okay yeah I, I can't do a handstand like that but I'll do a headstand I can hold that for a little while that'd be a that'd be a popular if you did a, like a video podcast and they both just did handstands the whole time or or headstands whatever I'd watch it I'd watch it for sure okay <laughs> Damon if you had to battle Godzilla how do you think you would use your creativity or your talents to defeat that big, crazy bastard? I think that I would draw a giant uh, skyscraper or some kind of cityscape over the edge of a cliff. And when he charged in, he could just fall through it and fall down to his death. That's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably end his life for sure. He would. <laughs> he's a big bastard, though. You never know. That's right. He you seems never to be know. pretty indestructible. Yes, and he can breathe underwater, obviously. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, where I know that we mentioned your website, Damon Pal Artist or Damon dot com, right? And then you yes. have a you have your Facebook, which I think is facebook.com slash Damon Pal Artist Theologian. Is that correct? Theologian. Yes. Theologian. I'm sorry. I pronounced that wrong my entire life. You're the first one to correct me. Though. And is there anywhere else that our, our listeners can find you or get in contact with you? Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't remember my handle. I think it's DP Art and Theo. Um, my blog is uh, Damon Powell, Artist and Theologian, which I put out once a month. I've got about five or six. Within. In those, I really take a piece every month and really do an in-depth description of what the symbology means, what my uh, concept was behind it, something about the creative process as well. So some people have been finding that pretty interesting. Um, and a guy has actually put some of them on a thing called Speaking on Art, his own uh, thing that he puts out. So um, that would be the next thing. Awesome. And do you have any favorite, really, advice or if you, if you could give somebody who was in your shoes maybe 10, 15 years ago some advice on, on how to keep going and pushing forward and, and building that creative life and maybe get to that point where they only have two more years left before they do it full time, uh, what, what would that be? Um. Don't give up. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Um, and then I was 
kind of caught in my addiction and kind of uh, listening to other people when I should have been listening to my inner voice. So don't give up and never stop believing you can. That's yeah. what I would say. The inner voice is powerful, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Damon. I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. I'm so pumped that you were able to come on finally. Time flies, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's crazy. And I wish you all the success in the world. I know, I know you'll have it. Your your work is amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing the yoga stuff that comes out. So let me get let me get in touch with Lindsay and and I'll see if I can get you some connections to get your interviews going because there's nothing more powerful than than connecting with people online. That's for sure. Absolutely. And thank you, Heath, for keeping it funky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to play some straight funk and bridge into this interview. And yeah, man, I I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's making me laugh. Uh, <laughs> You, you beat me to it, man. That's my line. What am I supposed to say now? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been uh, listening David, to you man. too much. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming on. And, and always remember to keep it funky, man. Keep it funky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Arch of Her Newer Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on twitter at hb underscore armstrong the music well that's shaky feeling check them out ventura california ta-ta keep it funky